0: Welcome to the fourth quarter client conference call for GWK Investment Management. This call represents the views and opinions of GWK Investment Management and does not constitute investment advice nor should it be considered predictive of any future market performance. My name is Dan Fasciano, Director of Private Wealth here at GWK. Joining me on today's call is Harold Kotler, GWK's Chairman and Chief Investment Officer, as well as Bill Sterling, our firm's Global Strategist. Harold, I'm going to start with you. We just closed the books on a year where developed market equities returned 15 to 30 percent and bond returns were north of four. Are there any takeaways you have from last year and what themes are you carrying into 2024?
1: Well, it was a remarkable ending to a year that halfway through one would not believed that it would have been so successful. But in fact, that Fed has been able to develop maybe a soft landing uh, and in moderating this inflation fear. Um, I think the markets started to celebrate. there's a relief rally that uh, maybe it's all clear. And um, I think as you look into 24, I think that's absolutely, you have to be believing that that's the takeaway. The rates will decline when, how much, yet to be determined, and probably not really very relevant. The fact is, the rate rises are behind us, rate declines are ahead of us, a moderation of inflation is continuing, and um, I hate to sound optimistic, but it sounds like it's, it's good times, and I think we should celebrate, and that's what the market
0: has done and I think we'll continue to do. You don't have to hate being optimistic. You do a good job of it. Uh, Bill, Harold just took us there, so I want you to weigh in. From a macro perspective, you know, we come into this year with investor sentiment squarely behind the notion of a Fed pivot. Uh, Fed fund futures were pricing in six cuts by this year's end. What do you make of all of that? And what are you, what's your thinking as it relates to growth and inflation for the year? I mean, are there any themes that you're, in particular, watching for? You
2: know, I think um, the big debate in the markets is whether investors might be over their ski tips expecting too much easing. Um, you know, I think the Fed in December, based on pretty good news about soft landing growth data and very good inflation data, guided uh, market participants towards three cuts this year. And I think personally, three or four is the most likely outcome, uh, which should be great, as Harold indicated. Um, I think the reason the market thinks it could be five or six cuts is that many economists still see an elevated chance of a recession based on the lag effects of all the monetary tightening that has been put in place so far. So if a recession were to occur, that could require seven, eight, or even nine cuts. It would probably be negative for earnings as well. So I, I think one theme is to be careful for what you wish for. I think a scenario of three or four cuts would be more consistent with the soft landing for the economy and probably better for equity markets as well. But the Fed funds futures that you refer to are, are basically a weighted average of the soft landing scenario and also potentially some of those weaker recession scenarios. And only time will tell whether the Fed needs to be more aggressive than three or four uh, cuts. Overall, you know, my impression is the Fed can't believe it's luck. That a soft landing uh, is unfolding so well and is focused on not messing it up by either, you know, declaring victory over inflation too soon or by waiting too long to start cutting, and and that's you know a challenging job for them.
1: But I also think, Bill, to your point, that we have to worry about something, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the job is can't be that easy. So the markets will go up and down with fear of inflation re-emerging on too fast, too slow. So that's going to be the static all year. But for investors, I think to clear the air of static, it's, it's in the right direction for all of us to participate in a healthier economy. Even if we go into a slight recession, defined by two quarters in a row of negative GDP, it really will be so modest That'll be in a non-event, be another white okay.
0: Well, all right. So we're going to have an event this year, Harold. So I'm going to I'm not going to let you I'm going to give you a chance to give us something to worry about. We just discovered that former President Donald Trump won the Republican New Hampshire primary. So it's looking increasingly like a Biden-Trump rematch in November. What's your sense of what role the election might play in the economy and the markets as this year unfolds?
1: The funny thing about these two people, their their policies were very similar, and they expanded the deficit. They provided, my mind, much too much um, liquidity in the system. That's why the Fed had to be so resourceful and increase rates so quickly. Um, their, their economic policies haven't been so different, and. Uh, My drop back is the U.S. economy really is not that dependent on who's president. On the edges, it has some impact, and it's impactful for people and policies at some level. But when you look at the macro economy, all that's at work all the time, I would argue that it doesn't make any difference who wins the election. Um, People will take Issue with that because there's other issues at stake, and I'm not going to get into politics, but as it relates to the economy, I think it's a non event.
0: Hmm. Well, Bill, I want to take it then squarely back to the economy and rates. Um, you know, despite higher rates, humor, uh, U.S. consumer behavior and sentiment have remained resilient. We saw that in the fourth quarter. Is it reasonable in your mind to think that the trend is going to remain in place? Or do you think that lagged effect that you referred to a bit ago will finally have a bite? And I guess the larger question is, you know, has tighter monetary policy already worked its way through the system or not?
2: You well, know, they're great questions, Dan. And um, I guess personally, I'd be surprised if rates do not have some kind of bite. You know, for example, credit card interest rates have reached a pretty bracing level of 21.5%. And um, also credit card debt has surged to $1 trillion. But personal interest payments have now crossed $500 billion, and many households have had to resort to credit cards since the personal savings rate has come off quite a bit from its highs during the pandemic and is at historically low level of 4.1%. So I think against that kind of backdrop, um, especially if the labor market slows, uh, economists expect real growth in consumer spending to slow from what looks like turned out to be 3% real growth last year to something like closer to 1% this year. And that's what would constitute a soft landing. And after that slowdown, uh, then I think investors could be looking to the back half and into the following year uh, for the benefits from, you know, Fed easing. But the idea that consumer spending is likely to slow and, uh, you know, and that it's going to react to the lagged effects of that monetary restraint sounds about right to me.
0: Thinking about, um, thank you for, I mean, thinking about the market specifically, Harold. Let me get your sense of, of two market dynamics that 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 are in front of us. Is one, rates are clearly higher now, or they're in a higher range than they've been since the pre-2008 global credit crisis. Uh, and the second item that comes to mind is U.S. small cap stocks they've lagged large caps, you know, I just looked, for almost every time period. I mean, what do you make of both that range of of higher rates and and small caps lagging large caps? And I guess more importantly, what should our clients be thinking about that?
1: That is an incredibly important question. I would say that human I wrote this in my quarterly letter, the human mind does adjust. And there was a time probably many of us can remember having a mortgage on the homes of 6, 7, 8, 9 10 percent. And somehow we survived. And then of course it plummeted to zero. And now it's back to six or seven percent, probably on the way back to five or six. Um, but as it incrementally, as it declines, the psychology improves and people's behavior changes. And I think there's, we're moving towards normalization. We're not there. It will take time. Given COVID and all these other issues, we'll get there. And uh, at, at some point, the markets will find their own um, balance. And I think that's what's going to happen this year and next year. As it relates to small cap, Clearly, the cash flow available by those large, very successful, um, high-tech companies has been remarkable. The amount of liquidity and availability of to invest in new technologies is tremendous amongst uh, those seven sisters that everybody talks about. And small cap have been, has been left. Uh, behind. Now, one has to believe that in this wonderful country, entrepreneurs are still doing what they should be doing and building businesses and doing it correctly. And sooner or later, they'll be recognized in the marketplace. Uh, I don't think it means one or the other. I think both sectors can do well. I think the high-tech companies with huge cash flows that make acquisitions anytime they want and buy new technologies anytime they want are going to be overwhelmingly successful. I also think entrepreneurs, God willing, still have a way to make money, make 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 an effort to get a piece of the apple and succeed. And that's what we're investing in and the the valuations are, are are compelling so it it's too tough to make a choice uh, i just think i always say this and i really mean it you have to be diversified and you i wouldn't walk away from one market or the other i'd participate in them all and i think this year could be a very good year for everybody
0: it's uh, helpful bill I want to turn to you on a theme that Harold just touched on, and that was these magnificent seven tech-oriented companies and their performance over the last year. You know, what do you make of the narrowness of the market, particularly over last year, and what would you say to our clients and investors about how to interpret that into 2024?
2: Yeah, Dan, well, I agree with... Um... Harold's optimism and also his emphasis on diversification and navigating this kind of environment, you know, to put some numbers on it, when you look at the dominance of the Magnificent Seven, they're up about 115% now since the end of 2022. That makes sense because AI is truly a game-changing technology. And in in comparison, the equally weighted S&P 500 index and the Russell 2000 small cap index are up only about 10 or 12%. So what's worth keeping in mind is that bifurcation in stock performance, which is really the reflection of the narrowness of the market, has left also a very wide bifurcation or gap in valuations. So if you look at the average forward PE of the Magnificent 7, uh, it's at close to 45 times now compared to less than 20 for the equally weighted S&;P 500 and close to 15 times for the Russell 2000. So the typical stock out there, outside the Magnificent Seven is pretty attractively valued, as Harold indicated. Um, I'd also note that the Russell 2000 is still off its all-time high by about 20%, and while while the S&P 500 cap-weighted index and growth stocks are at all-time highs. So personally, I think there's better than even chances that as the market advance continues that it's going to broaden out to include small caps and call it the other 493 stocks outside of the Magnificent Seven that generally have very attractive valuations, catch-up potential, and are run by entrepreneurs who want to make things work.
0: So when I listen to the two of you, you know, we use the word diversification. You know, a lot of times that means stocks, bonds, make sure you have some international. But there's also an element here of making sure you don't get off offsides in terms of, you know, sectors or, you know, you really almost want kind of someone monitoring a whole bunch of um, Dynamics around diversification. It's not just stocks and bonds. I mean, I, you know, as you say, Bill, that other 490. You know, you want to make sure that you're you're allocating thoughtfully. I, I guess with all of that in mind, Harold, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the biggest challenge of the call, and it's my kind of it's my closing question. You know, what indicators or events are you watching most closely in this first quarter of the year? Can I step back
1: and remind people. There's been four years since we got hit with COVID, four years. Yeah. That's disruption. I mean, I've been in the business almost 60 years and never, I mean, but for Vietnam, I can, nothing was as disruptive as COVID. And look what where we are today. We, I mean, I go back to private sector and entrepreneurship, and investing in smart people and trying to recalibrate how they run businesses. That's what it's all about. It's anybody sits on the laurels, uh, uh, yesterday's hero and today's fool. You have to always be thinking about the opportunities that exist. And that's what I love about this business. And that's exactly what you're talking about. That's our job to be thinking about how best to invest, without being cocky, without being that sure, but to diversify in areas that we think will be okay. And some will be fabulous, and some will be okay. But it's okay that some are okay, because we don't know now which are the ones that will be the, the, the great winners. So when I look at 24 and beyond, um, Think about where we've come from, where we are, and yeah, and the economy will slow, and things will have to recalibrate again, and again, and again, but the system works. And if you want to stay in money market, and see your cash go from 5% to 4% to 3% to 2%, you can do that. Uh, in the end, you'll, you'll have to eat cereal for on your retirement or you can invest in this great wonderful experiment called entrepreneurship in America and participate and I just think it's the gift that we've been given to have all our energy and focus and creativity and how to be the best we can be.
0: There's a lot of great marketing and life advice inside of that Harold. Thank you. You know, Harold, Bill, I want to thank both of you, as always, for sharing your thoughts. Should anyone listening have a follow-up question or two, please feel free to get in touch with your GWK advisor, and to all of our clients and friends, enjoy the remainder of your winter months. We look forward to connecting again in April. Thank you.